Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want to thank God for, you call our Father and the Lord here, senior pastor. Over there we call him our generous pretendant. Because the day I introduced him as senior pastor, they say, if he's senior pastor, and you're senior pastor, so how do you differentiate? So I say, well, <laughs> I'm senior pastor here. He's our generous pretendant. I want to thank God for, I'm excited that God did not let me go t- astray before meeting him. We're together in one meeting in, I think, 1990, or 1990 or 1989, I can't remember precisely, around that time. And then we were sitting in the same conference room. I was in the technical department. He was in the spiritual department. And God said, look at that man. Follow him. And I've been following since then. And I have no regrets. I want to thank God for that privilege. I want to thank God for the Fountain of the Living World Church in America here. Thank you for all you do for us in Nigeria. By God's grace, today we have four churches in Nigeria. And one is going to start before the end of the year. We're also going to acquire one, like the pastor said, before the end of the year. So by his grace, before the end of the year, we may have six branches in Nigeria. And then... And trusting God, the, the desire of our heart is that the truth of the word of God is shared and preached. I want to thank God for all your support, financial and material. I want to thank God for the welfare department of this church and the missions department of this church. If we say we are not feeling your impact, we'll be deceiving ourselves. Uh, we have over, um, last year, you made school bags available for us, and we had over 150 children carrying a school bag that carries our name back and forth from school. And we're excited about that. And we're looking forward to school bags for this year. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because I am so sure when I get back home, that will be the first thing they will ask me. That we have not got this school bag for this year. We thank God for all you do for us. And I want to appeal to our brethren that are here. Like our, our brother taught us yesterday, and I want to add my voice to that for the whole church. Please let us not forget our brethren back home. Um, um, Esther was in the palace, and she was reminded that don't forget that you were sent here for a reason. And if you don't rise up now that we need help, God may raise others on your behalf. Please. Don't forget your brethren or your family members in Nigeria. The $100 go a long way to sustain them. In fact, I know graduates who work, and what they collect as salary is not up to the equivalent of $200 in a whole month. Where I, live, where I come from in Ondo State, people work and all they collect is 18,000 naira in a whole month. And then you wonder how such people survive. 18,000 naira is still less than, it's about 30 or $40, I think. Not to that. So please, if you have family members back home, don't forget them. And I trust God will continue to sustain and help you too. Whatever you send to them will go a long way. Things are generally tough. Sending their children to school, some people don't even go to hospital again because they can't afford it. They just wait to, for God to do what he wants to do. Thank you very much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I bring you greetings from my brethren. 
And I pray the Lord continue to help us in Jesus' name. All right. Let's bow our heads as we pray, as we bring the word of God. Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful privilege to share this morning the word of God. The Bible says it is your word. The entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. I pray that you make this word simple enough for everyone to understand. And that you help us not to be hearer of this word alone, but we do us of it as well. Thank you because you help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, we have the same theme like you have for the year. Salvation. See it. Live it. And tell it. And by God, we've been teaching around that since the beginning of the year. And um, we've been going from different areas. I just want to talk a little this morning about salvation. Living it by faith. Now, so salvation, living it by faith. That's my topic. I take my text from Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6, and it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. He said, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let me start this way. Once a man accepts Jesus Christ as his or our Lord and Savior, he or she automatically becomes a child of God. And such children have no other way to relate with God except by faith. And you need to understand that, that if you are born again and you're a child of God, there's no other way to relate with our God except by faith. And what's the reason for that? Because the Bible says in the book of John, chapter 4, verse 24, it says, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You need to understand that God is a spirit. So, our relationship with God is only on a spiritual basis and what I call a spirit-to-spirit communication. God cannot relate with your body. He cannot relate with your mind. He only relates with your spirit. So, at the point of salvation, which I don't want to spend more time there, at the point of salvation, our dead spirit came alive after we gave our lives to Christ. So if you're here this morning and you're giving your life to Christ, your spirit is no longer dead. It's a life. But if you're here and you have not given your life to Christ, you have a chance to do that this morning. And I like the way the NLT version describes it in the book of Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. In the book of Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. In the book of Ezekiel, I didn't give them that. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 26, if you can give me that on the screen, in New King James Version, Prophet Ezekiel prophesied that. Ezekiel 36, 26. And um, Ezekiel 36, 26. He says, it was a prophecy from prophet Ezekiel. He said, I will give you a new heart and I am put a new spirit within you. I will take away the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So there was a prophecy towards that. And then Jesus came and fulfilled that when he died and rose from the death. He gave us a new nature, and that new nature, which makes our spirit man to become alive, 
gave us the capacity to have a spirit-to-spirit relationship with God. One of the things we need to understand is that now that you are born again, you need to understand that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And that's very important for every Christian to understand. That if you are born again, if you are born again, you are a spirit being. Amen? So don't let no demon harass you. Eh? We're all spirits. Amen? And you need to be conscious of that, that I'm a spirit being, I have a soul, and I live in a body. Your body cannot communicate with God. So anyone who is born again, and wants to relate with God, especially under this new covenant, and does not understand this spirit-to-spirit communication, you can't go too far. You can't go too far. So, your body, if I want to explain it better, your body is what I refer to as the earth suit. It's an earth suit. That's not the real you. Apostle Paul says in the book of Corinthians, he says, I put my body under. I. So the real me on the inside put this body under so that you will not lead me astray. So there's a consciousness, and that consciousness that Apostle Paul had, had then that was referring to the inner man as I put this edge suit under, you need to have it too for you to relate with God and be what God wants you to be. Now, the body is not the real you. That's not the real you. The real you is the inner man. Amen. The book of James makes it very clear to us. In James 2, 26, it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So what is keeping this body standing is the spirit that is on the inside. Once the spirit leaves, this body cannot function again. Praise the Lord. Let, let me make it simpler. I, I'm sure you know that there are some people that go to space, they go to moon. And when they go in, they put on something. They call it a space, space suit. Mm? They need to wear that all over with some heavy shoes made of lead and not the rest so that they can operate in space when they get there. Now, so when such people come back to the earth, they don't need that hair because that space suit cannot function here. So what they do? They put that off. So if, if a man goes to space and he comes back to earth and he removes the space suit and he hangs it somewhere, that's not him. That's not him. So just like you also have this earth suit, which is your body, because you see, if you don't have this, you can't operate here. Huh? Spirits don't live here. It's spirit beings that live here. So you, you have to have this body to be here. And that's why when forces, uh, demonic forces or demonic spirits, when they want to operate, for you to see their manifestation, they have to enter into a body. If not, you will not know they're there. Praise the Lord. So you need to understand why I'm putting this emphasis because of where I'm going this morning. Now for you to know 
that this body is not the real you. Does it mean we should not attend to the body? That's not what I'm saying. Timothy was writing, Paul was writing Timothy, and he says, is this bodily exercise profits a little? He says, but godliness is profitable unto all things. So we attend to our body. We exercise the body. But that's not the ultimate. That's not the ultimate. In fact, Peter too was writing. He talked about adorning in First Peter chapter 3. He said, let our adorning not be of outward appearance, but our adorning should be what? Of the inner man, of the inner man. There's nothing wrong in looking good, but the emphasis is should be what? On the inner man. So, so you should understand that I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. Now, don't forget, we're talking about salvation, living by faith. We're going somewhere. Now, one of the things that makes us, makes our walk with God look difficult as believers for us is because we don't acknowledge the fact that there are realms that are not what we can assess by our senses. Praise the Lord. I said there are realms that they are not physical realms. There are spiritual realms and there are realms which your senses, your body cannot assess. I'm sure we, we are very familiar with the physical realms. Very familiar. And the physical realms, we're talking about what you can see, feel, taste, smell, and the other five senses. But there are other realms. We'll have the spiritual realms. So for us to come to a conclusion that if I cannot see, I cannot smell, I cannot hear, I cannot feel or taste, those things don't exist. It would be wrong of us to come to that conclusion. The fact that I cannot see something, I can't taste it, I can't feel it, I can't smell it, does not mean it does not exist. The only thing is that it does not exist on the physical realms that your senses can appreciate it. So you need to understand that you cannot assess God with your senses. If you try to do the devil, you have come to the territory of the devil and it can interfere with it. So you assess God by faith and it's only this faith that pleases God. So what is faith? According to the Bible, in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Because of my time, I will dwell on the last part. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now, my own simple definition of faith is acting on what you believe. If you believe something is real, then you act, you take a step of faith. So, what you believe and what you don't believe will have a strong goal on you. Whether you agree with me or not. So, faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now, I'm still trying to emphasize something, the different realms that are available. I said faith is the evidence of things not seen, but those things exist. It is just that they exist in the realms that most of us are not familiar with. Faith is real. So the thing that something does not exist because your senses cannot accept them is not correct. 
Now, just because you cannot see, you cannot smell, you cannot taste, you cannot hear, you cannot feel a thing, does not mean it does not exist. They just exist in a realms that the senses cannot perceive. For example, all of us here, maybe most of us, go around with a mobile phone. Now, there are all over this room, there are different kind of waves. Telephone waves, television waves, radio waves, and all the rest. Now, but you can see them. But the fact that you can see them does not mean they don't exist. But if somebody dials your number now, the proof that the waves are here already is because your phone begins to ring. Now, so we cannot say that because I can't see those waves, they don't exist. Now, the same thing goes to spiritual things too. The fact that you may not be able to see them does not mean that they don't exist. The Bible tells us in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8, because that's the way I'm going. I don't want to dwell too much on that. But you can read that story when you get back home. 2 Kings chapter, King chapter 6, starting from verse 8 downwards, we, we saw the encounter of the king of Syria trying to fight the king of Israel. And each time he tried to do that, the prophet Elisha will tell the king of Israel what uh, the king of Syria is trying to do. So the man got angry one day and he says, what kind of thing is this? So he got his army and his horses to surround where the prophet Elisha was. And of course, the servant of Elisha went out early in the morning and he saw the horses and chariots of war from the king of Syria all around the city. And then he ran back to his master and said, Elisha, see what I'm seeing. And the man said, cool down. Don't oh, be afraid. The people that are with us, they are more than the people that they are brought. And he said to, and he prayed for the man in 2 Kings 6, 17. He said, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the, young, then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. It's amazing if you understand how God operates. Now, I'm, and I'm stressing the fact that you need to understand the place of spirit, soul, and body because, you see, I can't, I can, if I want to communicate with your body, you will know because I can touch you. Are we? I can also communicate with your soul by what I say. I can say things that will make you happy. I can make, say things that will make you sad. It, it, that, that's communication of soul. But there is no way to communicate with your spirit except through the word of God. I don't know whether understand it. There's no other way to communicate with your spirit. So if I say to you, God is here right now. How, how, how do you get that? You can't understand by your soul you can't understand by your body. The only way you know that God is here is because the word of God says so. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am what? I'm always there. So God is here. Show, show me, pastor, by the senses. Nobody has the capacity to do that. But I know that God is here. Amen. So the same thing. God did. He said, the Bible says God opened the eyes of the servant of Elisha and he saw. And that's why that prayer in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 17, that was very important. That God, you continually pray that to yourself. 
that God will open your eyes of understanding that you might behold the things that God has prepared for you. So, the truth is that everything that we receive from God, they already exist. And it is real. But they exist in a spiritual form that our senses cannot perceive. And it is in us. And it is also in us already. So let's read these two scriptures. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Say, blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now take note of that. Blessed be the God of our Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Who has blessed us? We're not going to be blessed. We are already blessed. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now the challenge is, so many blessings for you heavenly places, but you need them here on earth. So how do I bring them from heavenly places to reality here on earth? The only way to do that is by faith. It's by faith. Philemon 1.6 Philemon 1.6 I like King James Version. King James Version says that, that the communication, Philemon, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You need to understand all the things we're saying. Now, so, if our, it is our faith that we now to use to get things that are real but exist in the spiritual realms and make them available in the physical realms, we use our faith to do that. And the second thing we also need to understand, we need to believe that those things have been deposited in our lives at the point of salvation. That's why I love this scripture in Philemon chapter 1 verse 6. It said that the communication, that's old English, it says, so communication means to release, or she means sharing, put to action. So you can put that passage this way. You can say, uh, the release of our faith begins to work when we acknowledge when there's an acknowledgement of all the good things that are in us in Christ Jesus. So because you are in Christ and Christ is in you, every blessing you will need for life and for godliness is already made available. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. However, a lot of believers are frustrated trying to pray by faith. In fact, sometimes ago, my church in Nigeria, a young lady came to me and says, Pastor, apart from this faith thing, is there no other way to assess God? It, it, this faith thing is not real to me. I, I want something more real. And I understand what she's trying to say. She's getting frustrated because her senses cannot comprehend this thing. And I had to explain to her, there's no other way. You need to learn how this faith works, how faith works. Because there's no other way to assess or to get things from God except by faith. So when, but but God is so faithful that he, he didn't leave us helpless. He didn't leave us helpless. So when we got saved, God dropped a measure of faith in every one of us. He dropped a measure of faith in us with the intention that we develop it. And that's why the challenge is. He dropped a measure of faith in everyone. And listen, he didn't give anybody more faith than he gave the other. 
all of us started on the same level. And it's interesting to note too that, uh, at least for, maybe for, I'm not so sure about male and female, but I know that all the men that are here, or and the boys too, God gave us the same muscles in our hands here, same number. The difference, when you see some people are bigger than the other, by reason of use and development, food and exercise, those are the two things that makes a difference. And the same thing goes to our faith too. Now, God gave all of us a or the measure of faith uses the same amount of quantity. Bible says Romans chapter 12 verse 3, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than, than he ought to, but to think soberly according to God as dealt to every man the measure of faith. So all of us have the same starting point. Same starting point. But the issue is that what we do with our starting point determines how far we will go. So we need to understand that aspect that faith, our faith can grow. It is possible. So every believer has the same starting point, the measure of faith. But what you do with the starting measure will determine how far you will go. Some use a bit of it. Some use a lot of it. Some don't even use it at all. So, it becomes an issue. Today, I'd like to share five things with you that will help you to begin to live this life by faith. Five. Number one. Before I go to the first one, let's, let's read this story in Mark, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 downwards. Matthew 8. Five that was. He said, Now, Matthew 8 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak. A word, and my servant will be healed. For I, for I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus had it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Now, from this passage, let me show you five things that will help you build your faith. The first one, you need to come to know Jesus. You need to come to know Jesus and to the reality that all that I need, God has made available for me through the finished work of Jesus. You need to come to know Jesus and to the reality that all that I need God had made available for me through the finished work of Jesus. That's the first important thing we need to understand. When God created Adam and Eve in six days, the Bible says he rested on the seventh day. I don't know whether you ever thought about that. 
One of these I was meditating and I was thinking and I said to myself, do you know that ever since God created Adam and Eve, he had not come back to create more oxygen. Have you thought about that? Now, when he created Adam and Eve, they were just two. Now, records show that we are over seven billion on the planet Earth. And God has no need to come back to give us more oxygen. The same one he made available then is still what all of us are using up until now. So everything we needed, God provided within that six days. Now, the same thing you need to understand, that after Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead, everything, all of us we need, those of us that are around now, and those who come later, even after when uh, we are gone and others are still coming, Jesus' delay is coming back, everything that we need, God made available in Christ Jesus when he died and he rose from the dead. Bible says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. So the price that Jesus paid on the cross of Calvary over 2,000 years ago is enough to save as many as we believe in him. So the first thing you need to know is that Jesus made provision for you and I Everything we need for life and for godliness, everything we need for our existence here on earth, God provided in Christ Jesus when Jesus died and rose from the dead. Praise the Lord. I said, Praise the Lord. That's why the Bible says that if any man is in Christ, a new creation, all these are past will be all everything is new. If any man is in Christ, now all the blessings that we have now is in Christ. That's why, that's why I'm so sure the devil cannot take advantage of you. Because if you cooperate with the devil, Jesus has to co-sign. And if he doesn't co-sign, the devil can't take those things off you. Praise the Lord. Now, God had to do it that way so that the devil would not do what he did to Adam and Eve to us again. Praise the Lord. So the first thing you need to understand is that God has made provision for you by the things, by what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. And let me, let me stress that if you're here this morning, you cannot have access to those things unless you're born again. You can't even understand what we're talking about unless you're born again. These are purely spiritual things and can only be discerned by the help of your spirit. Amen. And if your spirit has not become new, by the circumcision that is not done by hand but by the spirit of God. Because in the old covenant, the circumcision was external. But the new covenant, it was is internal. And that circumcision is not done by physical hand. What am I trying to say? That unless a man is born again, he can't have a new heart. And if you don't have a new heart, you can't have a new spirit. And if your spirit is not new, the Holy Spirit cannot dwell on the inside of you. And the benefits that we get as a result of a child of God, you can't get it. So it is very important. It is not, it is not fashionable. It is, it is what you need. That everyone that lives on this planet Earth, that wants to walk with God, must be born again. You must accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It is not a church doctrine. It's a biblical standard for everyone who wants to relate with God. Praise the Lord. Now, one of the things that I should understand is that grace has made salvation available because of the finished 
walk of Christ on the cross of Calvary. You need to understand this very well. And I found out recently that a lot of people are not born again, but they're in church. I'm not talking of Orthodox churches. I'm talking of Pentecostal church. People one way or the other think, well, my friend go to Pentecostal church, let me follow them there. You will not get the full benefit of what we're talking about. You may not understand what we're talking about this morning unless you're born again. The Bible says we are saved. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 say we are saved by grace through faith. It's not the works of man. It's a gift of God. You don't merit it, but because Jesus died and paid the price, you have access to it. So salvation is very crucial. I was sharing when I had the privilege to share with the men. I told them something very simple. I said, there was a time I preached in my church at the beginning of the year. And I said, if you cannot say categorically where you get born again, maybe you need to do it again. Because I found out now that a lot of people are coming out of parents that are Pentecostals and they were born in Pentecostal church and um, they know the terms and terminologies, but they never have an encounter with God. So one year, I think it was the beginning of 2020, but I finished preaching and I have about 18 of people who are regular members of my church who had to come out to give their life to Christ again. Now, because I said something very crucial. I said, all of us here, I'm sure we know our date of birth. Abby? We know our date of birth. Now, the date of a second birth must be known. You may not have the real details as, okay, I was born 8th of January 19, 1970. But you should have a good encounter of when that happens. Just like, I don't know, in Nigeria, we have people who don't know their real date of birth. I was sharing with them. One young lady came to me about 20 years ago like that. She was, she was like 12, 13. And we're trying to get the date of birth so that we can register some things for her. And then she didn't know her date. We called her parents. They said they didn't know the date. So we, we tried to find the date. And we, we, we got very close. So we, we, we told the parent that, who was the president when you gave back to her? And they remember that. They say it was also president. I'm sure if you, are, if, you are, if, you, if you live in Nigeria and that, I know what I'm talking about. It's a, it's a, it's a president, it's a politician, and it was on the second time. And the second time was when he didn't finish. It was the time he didn't finish that uh, our daughter was born. So we, we got the year. And then they said, how can we get the month? They told us that she was born around the time mangoes came out. <laughs> so we got the month. And then we knew that mangoes come around in Nigeria around October. So since we couldn't get the date, we gave her October 1. <laughs> to be born on the day Nigeria was born. Now, but as, as, as interesting as that might be, do you know that your salvation story must be something like that too? You should know that I got born again, I went for this crusade, or I went for this service. You should be able to remember the year. Maybe you do it in this church. When I was in my former church, I used to help people out. They'll say, oh, I, I got born again in this pastor, so so-and-so was preaching. And it was so-so-and-so month, and because we have a register, I can go back there and tell you when so-so-and-so preached. 
So we try to establish that. Now, but if you say you have no clue as to how you got born again, then I doubt if you are saved. I doubt if you are saved. So it is very important for us to walk by faith. For us to walk by faith, we should be sure of our encounter, our experience with God. If you don't have that encounter, you can do that this morning. You say, Lord, the last Sunday before I traveled here, we had what to call water baptism. A young lady walked up to me and said, sir, I need to be baptized again, a second time. I said, but why? You've done it once. He said, that one I did that time. I'm not too sure whether I was. I think I went into water as a dry sinner and came out as a wet sinner. He says, but now I'm born again. I'm born, I'm born now. And I said, well, if you want to be double sure, it doesn't cost me anything. We'll baptize you again. And there are people like that who have to be double sure that they need to be saved. Now, so that's number one. Number two, you need to know God for yourself. You need to know God for yourself. You need to know God for yourself. The Bible says that they that know their God, they are the ones that will be strong and will be able to do exploits. And for you to do exploits by faith, you need to know God for yourself. You need to know God for yourself and you need to know what God can do as well. A lot of people hear about God. A lot of people Think about God, but a lot of people don't know God. Now, when the Bible says you should know God, the Bible says they that know their God, it uses the same word as Adam knew his wife in the book of Genesis. Do you understand that? So the, the, the knowledge of God that we're talking about is an intimate knowledge of God. And that is scarce. If you want to operate by faith, you must have that. You must be a student of the Bible. Nobody knows everything about God, but you must make an effort. You must know God. And I'll not forget, I'm not sure whether Pastor will remember. One thing he said to us when he was in Nigeria. He said, you can't be studying biology when you have geography exam tomorrow. I don't know whether I understand that. You are sick in your body and you are reading about the second coming of the Lord. You may likely go before it comes. Because if you are sick, that's not, that's not what to study. You should take time to meditate on the word of God that talks about healing, the healing power of God, so they can get well. So there's a need for us to create time to know God. It is the people that know God that can be strong and can do exploit. From the text I read in um, Matthew chapter 8, if you look at verse 8 and 9, the Bible said, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. That's somebody that knows God. And then he was able to also take it to another level. He said, for even me, I am a man under authority. If I say to one of the soldiers under me, go, they, 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 they dare not, they go. If I say, come, they come. That's somebody that has a knowledge of who God is. And Jesus says, never seen this kind of faith before. So we too must take our faith to that level. If you want your faith to walk, you must know God. You must know God. Especially areas of your life where there are deficiencies and there are needs. You, you spend time. I don't have any problems reading the Bible through in one year. But take time to meditate on the word of God so that you have a good understanding of who God is.
The Bible talks about a young man called David. You will know that these are the people that know God. David, in the battle against Goliath, in 1 Samuel 17, 26, 1 Samuel 17, 26, he said, Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man who kills these Philistines and take away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defile the army of the Lord? That's somebody that have a knowledge of God. David was not, David was talking about the reward because he knows that this man is not circumcised. And if he's not circumcised, God cannot be for him. Amen. Amen. And we need to get to a point where we know God too. The last place I worked in Nigeria, about almost 20, the last office I worked before I started business with myself, you know, about 20 years ago, I, I was heading a, a, a department, a, the estimating department, and then um, my boss, a white man, said I should come and see him at home on a Sunday evening because he'll be coming to work on Monday. And then I got there and I met this colleague of mine who claims to be a Christian sitting on the laps of my boss in his house. And he has audacity to call me brofash. Ah. So I answered that back in my local language. I said, who is your bro? Is that my husband? Don't bro me on his leg. You know, and then I think after I left, he told him what transpired between us. And then the man, a white man from Greek, Greek Cyprus, entered my office and then he locked the door and says, for that which you did yesterday, I will get you out of this company. I don't know where that came from, but because I know the God that I serve, I backed the door and I told him, I said, you get me out of this company, I get you out of this country. Try me. <laughs> that was the end of the discussion. I left after a year on my own volition. When he left, I, checked, I said to myself, where is that coming from? Which immigration officer do I know? <laughs> but I know God. But the Bible says, they that know their God shall be strong. How much knowledge of God do you have? Some of you, you don't know God. Though. You know God through somebody. And that will not help you. In this sort of trouble, it will fail you. Know God for yourself. And God can be known if you create time to know him. Everything about him, he gives us in his word. It can be known. If you want your faith to walk, number three, get a word from God to stand on and begin to meditate on it. Get a word on every issue that you are trusting God for. You need to have a word from God. A young man came to me some times ago in my office and said, Pray for me that I may prosper financially. I said, before I pray for you, which word of God have you meditating on? Um, how many books have you read about prosperity? He said, none. Which word of God are you standing on? He said, um, um, my, my God shall, um, shall, shall... He didn't even know the scripture very well. I say, if I pray for you, it will not work this way. Because you don't even have any basis 
to be blessed by God. So he told me, he said, Pastor, which word are you standing on? And then I quoted for him, Luke 633, Luke 638, sorry. I said, that's what I'm standing on. So I was a give and shall be given unto you. Good measure of press down, shake it again on the river. He said, with the same measure that you meet out, it shall be meted back unto you. You shall men put onto your bosom. So I shared with him. And I said, that which one you are trying to quote is in Philippians 419. You don't even know it. And that's, like, that, that, that's how a lot of us operate. We want something from God. We don't know where God said it. We don't know what he said about that thing. And then your faith doesn't work by, like that. Bible is so clear. You say faith comes by hearing. And the continual hearing of the word of God. I want to encourage you, if you're in this church, pay attention to what God is doing here. You know, I was telling somebody at the men's retreat, one of the young men that are close to me, I said, ah. I said, those of you that at the base where the fruit is being produced, you're not even eating the fruit. Those of us that are 8,000, 9,000 miles away, we, we listen to, I listen to virtually every sermon preaching in this church. And I encourage all our pastors to do the same too. Then I heard that some people will skip classes here. <laughs> that will help you. So you need to understand that there's a need for us to stand on the promise of God. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, give attention to my word. Incline your ear unto my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Incline your ears to my saying. Listen to what God is saying. Through the servant of God, through your Sunday school teachers, listen to what God is saying. And I can tell you it works. Faith works. Faith works. Number four. Faith is cooperating with God on what he has said. If you believe what God has said, then you will act on it. That is how to exercise your faith. Start small. Start small. Learn how to give. Start small. Learn how to trust God for your health. Start small. Start with a little cold. Start with a little headache. I said to people, Suddenly, you, one day you wake up and they say, this, they, they find this cancer in your body. And then you say, I want to trust God. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. They say, you're praying the prayer of faith. I, I say, there's, it doesn't work that way. That's prayer of desperacy. Finally, you know that there's nothing medicine will do for you. Now you want to hinge your faith on it. You, you start from somewhere. You grow your faith. We read about David before he fought Goliath. When he, st- when he stood before Saul, what did he say? He said, ah, a beard came to take a sheep. I toyed with my hands. Then a lion came. I did the same thing. He said, this was circumcised Philistia. He will go the same way too. He has an experiential knowledge of God. So in Matthew chapter 8 that I read, verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, he said, go your way, for as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And a servant was healed that same hour. So some, of, some of us, if, if you are prayed for, you are sick, your body, and you are prayed for, they say, go your way. You are healed. He said, but pastor, it is still paining me here. 
No, man said, go your way. Boy, boy is healed. The man went. He just, just started going home. Because he believed that if God says it, it will come to pass. How much of God's word do you believe? As a young husband, when we first got married, my wife came back, one, came back home one day. I was very sad. I was asking her, why are you sad? He said, because in our office they made a policy that does not favor me. I said, how? He said, he said to the men that if you have any health challenge, you can bring four children and your wife. But he said to we, the women, that you can only bring four children, you can't bring your husband. Ah, I said, they don't well. Guess what? It was that singular statement that pushed me to come and find out how God takes care of people's health. Because I found out that if, if because my wife was with government, if government will take care of my wife and four children, it's only me left. I, I can trust God for my only healing. <laughs> and that's why I started looking at the word of God. And you see, all those things will not go without being, the devil will check you out, whether you believe or not. So he showed up one day to check me out. And I said, look, because I have had little two experiences. I had fever, I have trusted God, and I was healed. I had had diarrhea, dysentery, and I've trusted God, and I was healed. And then so when it came with what I think, because I, I don't see doctors, I just check out. I think it's, it looked like pneumonia, because I couldn't breathe well. If I take anything cold, my body will be shaking. I stood. I went to my very popular scripture. Matthew 8, 17, that my fulfill, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, that Jesus took my infirmities and above all my sicknesses. It lasted for about eight weeks. I'm standing here now. Praise the Lord. I used to joke to people and I said to them, I said, my own doctor is a generalist. He's not a specialist. He's a specialist in every area. So everybody is interested. I said, is that your doctor? I said, my own doctor doesn't even charge any money. He said, wow, we need to know that your doctor. I said, even interestingly, my doctor does not give any referral. Any case you bring to him, he will solve it. He doesn't send anybody abroad. He sends us above. He said, whoa, who is that your doctor? That doctor Jesus. Brother, I'm glad to announce to you that working with faith with God on my healing. I've lived like this for 34 years. If I did one of my members say, pastor, let me check your BP. This one, yes, I did like this. She said to me, very high. I said, check it again. Something will be wrong with your swig. <laughs> so he checked it again. He said, Pastor, it's high. I said, then something will be wrong with this swig. You know, she started agreeing with me. She said, oh, okay. It's a long time I used it, really. And then you just finished preaching. Maybe that's the reason. I'll come back again tomorrow. Before you preach, I'll check. I know who is trying to sell something. And I don't buy his goods. So he came the next day and he checked. So when did you finish? He said, oh, Pastor, everything is good. He said, were you worried since yesterday? I said, why should I be? I said, if you tell me I'm pregnant, will I go for a test? I said, the only, the only pregnancy I can have is, I went to I too much beans and bread. So we need to get to a point where we trust God for every issue of our lives like that. And that comes with knowledge. With challenges come, yes, it will come now. 
as a young Christian lecturer then, I read somewhere about David. I said, David said, once I'm young and I'm old, he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Neither have I seen the seed begging bread. I just said to myself, as today, I'm, I'm not begging anybody for anything. I won't beg, I won't borrow. Of course, the devil came one day. He will wait for you to get to a very tight corner. There was no money in my account, nothing. No food in my fridge. And then I said to myself, maybe somebody will buy me breakfast. Nobody did. Maybe somebody will buy me lunch. Nobody did. And then I was going back home from work at about 6.30 in the evening, and I was praising God, nothing to eat at home. Nothing. I said, Lord, your word is true. Even if this encounter does not change, it doesn't change your word. As I was driving home, the Lord said to me, branch and greet this family. I will not forget. <laughs> As I sat down, I had virtually sat down when the wife brought rice and Titus fish and a bottle of 7-Up. If you hold on to God on his word, it always works. Let me close with the last one. If you do not see the manifestation immediately, it does not change anything. Sometimes we trust God for something and because it does not manifest, especially when we trust God for our healing, and doesn't manifest immediately, we think that nothing happened. Who told you that? If you read the story of the ten lepers in the book of Luke chapter 17, reading from verse 11 downwards, the Bible told them, it says, go and show yourself to the priest. The Bible says, and as they went, they were healed. Sometimes things don't manifest immediately. But if you stand and resist the devil, it will show up in your life. God will show up. One of the things that you need is to understand that God does not fail. Neither does his word fail. If he has said it, he will bring it to pass. Let me close by telling you that grace has made everything you will need for life and godliness available. But the only way to receive it is by faith. Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, we are saved by grace through faith. It's a not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And Colossians 2, 6 says, the same way that you are saved, continue daring. Every other thing you get, you get the same way. So when those things you are praying for are not showing forth the way you expect, remember what the Bible says in Mark chapter 4, Verse 26, as I close. Mark 4, 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by the night and rise by day and the seed should sprout up and grow. He himself does not know how for the earth yield crops by itself. He said, first the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain, the full grain of head. But when the grain ripens, immediately, put in the sickle because the harvest has come. Brethren, God has the capacity to do what he says in his word if you can trust him. And we trust him by consciously growing our faith. And there's no other way to grow your faith except by studying the word and exercising it. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. And we'll make it happen for you. Praise the Lord. I'd like to make one call. And I, 
everywhere I go to, I try to make that salvation call because if that is not in place, no nothing works. No nothing works. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed. Is there anybody here this morning you want to give your life to Christ? Or you want to be double sure? You, you, are not, you, you think you are saved. You think, but you are not sure. I'd like to pray for you. Lift up your right hand wherever you might be, and I'll pray for you. Anyone? Thank you, sister. Thank you. Can, you. can you do one more thing, please? Can you take a step of faith and come forward here? Let me pray for you. Can you come forward? I can see those hands, please, if you don't mind. If you don't mind, can you take a bold step of faith? Can you take a bold step of faith? You want to be double sure? Please come. I see your hands up. You want to change your mind or what? Please come. This way. The day I got saved, I was the only one. I was the only one. But it doesn't matter. You can be the only one this morning. It doesn't change anything. Any other person? Come, brother. Any other person want, you want to join our brother? Please, thank you, mom. Any other person? You want to give your life to Christ this morning? Okay. Our mom is here to help you. Pastor Victor, you want to help me with this young man? Or mommy does it for the two of them? Or do I do it from here? Do I do it from here? Okay. Okay. Any other person want to join them before I lead them to Christ? Any other person? I know you, you You may say, okay, I'm born again, but, but you're not sure. You need to be double sure this morning. Because the truth is that the trumpet can sound any time, any time from now. And then tomorrow, we'll just be too late. You are in doubt about the fact that you are saved. You can be saved this morning. Any other person before I lead these ones to Christ? Any other person? Thank you, Father Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at me. Listen to me. Can you pray? Can you pray this prayer after me? Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the privilege to hear your word this morning. The Bible says, if I believe in my heart that Jesus died for me, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I shall be saved. This morning, I believe. That Jesus died for me. And I confess his lordship over my life. And so I am saved. Thank you for saving me. Say Jesus in my prayer. Say amen to that. I pray for you now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for this, your son and your daughter that has come to give their lives to you. I ask that you uphold them with your right hand of righteousness and lead them all the way through. In the name of Jesus. The decision they're making this morning, help them to stand by it. Let your name be glorified. Thank you because you help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can rise up and go back to your seat. You're saved. You'll become a child of God. Just by that simple act. Thank you. God bless you.